Have you ever wondered why we keep remaking the same movies over and over again, telling the same stories seemingly year after year, week after week at this point? A movie theater in 1980 looks like a movie theater in 1995, looks like a movie theater in the year 2020. So have we, and we're going to try to see if we can figure it out. So welcome to Hollywood Already Did It, where we analyze why we keep remaking, redoing the same movies over and over again, as always. I'm your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And Andres Gajego, the co-host of the Film on Tap podcast and regular co-host of High Voltage Media and a former Schmodown competitor to boot, here to talk about not the first, not the second, not the third, not the fifth, not the sixth, seventh, or eighth, but I believe the almost tenth feature-length theatrically released Batman movie, The Batman. <laughs> uh, Andres, thank you for joining us. I know you're our, one of the biggest Batman fans that I know which is mm. always good to have when we don't want to be super cynical, even though I did love this movie and we're a cynical podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me on board, dude. I mean, it's always great to talk comics with you guys. And then it's, it, it feels good to have a solo Batman movie again, guys. Like, can we just acknowledge that it's been almost about just, 10 years. You don't want to just shoehorn him into other people's properties. That's not, yeah. <laughs> yeah he almost works really well when you're not trying to connect him to a broader universe except for his own right hijack this man's movie it's not working for him we're gonna put him in there now uh, right well uh let's get right on into it andres what did you think of the batman <laughs> well first off right off the bat with <laughs> no pun intended actually <laughs> um with the Batman in particular, this has been sort of a very interesting project because it was sort of born into controversy because given with the fact of Ben Affleck's casting and um, Ben Affleck uh, having having the role of director and writer and star of his Batman film and then that film falling apart and then Matt Reeves picking up the slack and then the huge shockwave of Rob Pattinson being announced as Batman it, it, it almost every single card seemed to be against this movie until we got that first DC fandom trailer. And I think at that point, the naysayers just had to second guess themselves and go, you know what? That actually kind of looks like a legit Batman movie. <laughs> that was two years ago. Coming to now, having actually seen the movie, and I've actually seen the movie twice now. And honestly, my thoughts on it is is that while it's not a perfect movie it is a perfect batman movie for me in so many respects because what this captures more than anything else more than any other batman film in particular is that batman is only a hero by virtue of the fact that he has this self-control aspect to himself and that he is doing something from an altruistic standpoint but when you really look at it the dude is fighting some major demons. And like, this is the first film where we've gotten a Bruce Wayne and a Batman that both feel alien to the rest of the world that feel like an antisocial, an antisocial vigilante that doesn't fit in the universe. And to me, that was a big step forward for just sort of connecting what I loved about the comics, because reading a Batman story is a lot different than reading a Green Lantern story or even reading a Green Arrow story. It's like all these characters are, are sort of like very, very just kind of um, 
different different uh, textures of each other to a certain extent. And Batman has always been the one that everyone's just like, you know what? He's probably one of the more useful ones, but we don't like working with him all that much. Like he he's kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, if that makes any sense. And I think this movie really captured that aspect. It also captured the aspect of the detective of the detective side of Batman that we've sorely been lacking. I mean, like I know people go back to the Nolan movie and they go, oh, you know what? But there's that entire moment where like he he rebuilds the the uh, fingerprint from the bullet and you're just kind of like all right but that doesn't necessarily seem plausible and there are certain leaps of faith in that as well but this is this feels like such a grounded take on a character and it feels like a welcomed return to this character i mean like even from the first 20 minutes when they establish just the being that he is and the legend that he's become in this two-year fold it is utterly brilliant in so many respects so personally for me i really really loved the movie quite a bit it's not perfect i wouldn't even say it's my favorite batman movie but as a first film in what could potentially be a trilogy for matt reeves oh my god we are on a great path we are on a great path so far so i really loved it as a dc comics fan as well and as also a batman fan it's 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 right up there with it's right up there with some of the best comic book movies for me personally, and I can't wait to go see it for a third time. Aaron, how about you? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna echo quite a few things. It's it's funny because I I'm a huge Batman fan, um, and I think over the course of the decades, Batman has there have been many different iterations of Batman. There's the the super hokey uh, Adam West versions that we 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 all know and and love. Uh, we have the Tim Burton super super gothic macabre version. We have Christopher Nolan's being a little bit more uh, grounded in reality, and you have somewhere always in between with the animated series. I tend to like my Batman like the long Halloween Jeff Loeb era Frank Miller stuff, and because of that, I literally just feel like I just watched those books like the crime noir books put on screen page for page like that's literally what i saw and i was head over heels like i love this movie um i've only seen it once so i I can't really say how i feel about it as a reference to whether it's my favorite but it is already in my top three um i am one of those folks that considers batman begins to be i know that dark knight is a better film than batman begins but i tend to like batman begins more because i like that's a really good batman story this is a better Batman story. Um, oh, so yeah. that's where I'm kind of like, this one might be, as we go along, maybe the one that I, I, I go into. Similar to what Andre said, that, that opening 20 minutes just did everything for me. Uh, just the use of the, the light and how that is that's establishes fear. I was like, oh, they get it. Matt Reeves freaking gets it. And from that point on, it felt like, I mean, we've, we've heard this, but it feels, it feels like Seven in Zodiac like a, a super crime thriller that Batman is going through the paces. And I, and I want to kind of piggyback a little bit on Andres. Like I, I do know people used to that, that moment of the bullet in the dark night to say like, oh, we've seen some detective work before, but I always feel like in all the films before the detective work that any small moment of detective work that happened, happened because of the tech, like the tech. Yeah, Siri does it for him. Yeah. Right, did it for him. Like. Whereas, in this, right, whereas in this one, he actually is thinking through things. And that's the first time that I think we've ever seen that part of it, which I, I just, I fell in love yeah, with. Yeah, it's like both him and yeah. Tony Stark are always sort of like, Alexa, do vengeance. And then they have the answer. <laughs> 
Uh, and I agree. I feel like did I? I don't. I hope I didn't cut you off. Here. No, no, no. Because uh, I agree. I felt like this was the first time, and I went in a little more cynical than I have in other Batman movies. Because I, I'm always like, I just are we going to watch the Waynes die? What are we going to hammer home? There's so many things with this character that we've already done so well from all the adaptations and all the comic books, because even, you know, outside of even just um, the movies, the comics and the cartoons, Batman has always painted with a very wide brush for tone. He's been goofy and he's been serious and he's been the detective and he's been the wrestler and it's, all of these kind of things mixed together. And so I'm like, well, what is, what is even left for me to enjoy here? Like I, we're just coming back to this well. And immediately I was like, oh, we're doing a real David Fincher crime mystery with Batman in it. We've made a noir movie with Batman, which like, why haven't we done that before? And we've had elements of it. We talk about the Gothic structure in the Tim Burton movies, which is noir-esque and has these very, you know, Dick Tracy vibes about it and sort of launched that ethereal tone that we always talk about with that and Turtles and Dick Tracy that were like, oh, this very animated, dark, macabre vibe. And then we have this very serious, grounded, but still superhero trope trilogy with Christopher Nolan's. And then we just got like as dark and deconstructive as we could have with what we got from the Snyder versus version of it everything about it was more of this like analytical impact it has on society and who is the Batman and what does it mean and these gods and these people and this I was like oh we sort of came back down to earth in a way we're not really treating them like gods anymore we just did that with Zack Snyder and we're not really doing the like super heightened comic booky thing that Nolan was doing. And we're not doing, we're not Tim Burton. We are, and I almost feel bad for Matt Reeves because everyone keeps using David Fincher to describe this. And I'm like, they're two very unique directors. And for as much of this genre as in Matt Reeves, it's still so much his DNA more than it is Fincher's. We just keep using Seven as the example because he's made a serial killer-esque movie but like seven and zodiac take from real killers this is taking from real killers so i am sort of like well it is matt reeves achievement you know it's this is if it was a rogue one scene we would be amongst his achievement <laughs> not david's yeah and, and, and it's sort of a weird thing too because whenever you read the comics nobody ever really lands that criticism towards the artist who sometimes it kind of seems like one artist is sort of taking a, a a tone or something that's been established by previous artists. Like people kind of go, Oh, Greg Capullo is just copying Todd McFarland or something like that. And it's like, uh, like it's, it's a really weird thing because folks will do that for cinema far more than they will for a comic book, which the comics, they maintain that tone all the way through, but nobody ever goes that, Oh, this guy's copying this guy, this guy's copying this guy. They just go, it's that. It's funny you say that because I feel like we do this a lot with superhero movies and I'm jumping a little ahead of myself, but there's been so many comparisons of the Batman to the Dark Knight and the Batman to Spider-Man. And I understand comparing Batman to Batman, but when we start being like No Way Home, I'm like, okay, 
the DNA of Spider-Man, of this Tom Holland MCU Spider-Man, started in Spider-Man Homecoming, which was like a John Hughes high school fun superhero movie. And we'll only do this with superhero movies. We only compare other genres here. No one has ever gotten on a podcast or hung out with their friends and be like, guys, I just saw Seven. I don't know that it's better than The Breakfast Club. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Because like that would be insane. Because we understand that those are different genres. And that's where genres, yeah. I think you've all kind of touched on it. And so has so many other people. But it's like this and Logan live in such a different place in my brain than other superhero movies. They did such a good job of making a like horror noir thriller from the cues of him reading this diary like he's an old gritty detective i i loved even those little touches the rain coming down the serial killer initiating the movie instead of the hero coming back and forth and different clues and back in here and really following them we're not just plugging things into a machine and going we're sitting down and looking at a cipher and figuring out what the words are and going well what does that mean Oh, it's a drive. That's his garage. We have to come to this car. There's going to be a thumb drive. And it's like everything A to C is in such a unique way that I don't even remember the last time I saw it in like a non-superhero movie. Like we're we're almost revitalizing an old mystery genre. Well, that's the thing. Is like this is yeah. this is a genre that doesn't get made anymore. It's almost like this movie had to be like this has to be batman otherwise we probably would not have seen a film like this exist because these type of films where these la noir detective stories they just don't happen anymore it's just how this happens to be the batman like cool now we can get some eyes on this as well as making a really gritty intense uh yeah noir. and that's yeah, absolutely the and part yeah Sorry, go right ahead. <laughs> but it, I was like, it's interesting because, you know, when we get into the, like, is it original? Is it an original idea? Why are we here? Why are we doing this? Why, 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 why? You know, I only say that so much because I do it. Uh, <laughs> why I keep being here doing this on my stupid podcast that I came up with years ago. But I was like, this is such an interesting take because they have found a new way to make Batman original. And it's by using, like, unoriginal tropes from other genres and it's like, as a horror noir thriller mystery movie, the only thing new that it's doing for that genre is adding Batman. And as a Batman movie, the only thing new that it's doing, not the only thing, but one of the main things new that it's doing is twisting the genre. And I'm like, it's very weird that you can smush two things together that have been done a thousand times and then accidentally make something new. It feels like the first person who created a smoothie and they're like, are you tired of strawberries? What if you could drink them now? And we were like, this is a new food. Um, which I also love because, you know, Logan did this, Joker kind of did this, although I don't really care much for Joker. But when we start doing that, it also shows, I think, the evolution of the superhero genre that we're always like, when is going to die? It's like the Western. And I'm like, well, you know, the Western never evolved there was no horror noir western movie no. that i can think of no, there and, was and he, no wandavision for westerns no and, and even to a certain extent like i hate that argument where where it's like you know oh like like a certain genre has never evolved or anything like that because if you really look at it like uh, one of the things one of my college professors told me is that you know if 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 you really want to look at it 
art is just kind of ripping itself off. Like you go as far back as to the caveman paintings. They were ripping each other off way back when, and we've only continued to do so in minor increments all throughout the years, even into whatever, 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 whatever art form you're going into. Like you could arguably say gaming is ripping off film now. And it's just, it's just a constantly evolving thing where storytelling just will adjust to whatever is up and coming at the time so so in order to sort of throw that comparison out with comic book movies in particular or even just films in general where it's like okay matt reeves is borrowing the look of seven i mean is there a much more fitting a much more fitting aesthetic for batman than david fincher seven i mean there's it, it makes sense with this character to that's that's zodiac like those type of movies make sense for this type of character to kind of like i'm going to borrow things from and you and obviously people keep saying seven because seven is the pinnacle there have been plenty of other films that have tried to bother but recreate stuff off of seven they just haven't been very good (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and it's it was nice to really get a detective story like i feel like i feel like for so long i've been yelling but he's the world's greatest detective let's have him be a detective let's do it and it also to me was really the first time and andres you actually said this when we left theater so i I don't want to i want to give credit where it's due but this was the first time that batman really got the character arc and not bruce wayne Yes. So often I think of uh, Batman Begins, which is my favorite one before now, or maybe 89. I go back and forth. They're all great. Um, (laughs) But Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises were so much about this symbol that Bruce Wayne has created and how I can become more than that. And as as a man, I'm corruptible, I'm destroyable, blah. As a symbol, I perceive. And in The Dark Knight, it became... Well, sir, you've made this symbol that can stand against the Joker when Bruce Wayne can't. The symbol, the symbol, the symbol. And Matt Reeves kind of like, it almost felt like those movies didn't exist, but he knew that the audience had seen them because he just sort of turns on the light. It is like, it's fear. That's how we're doing it. Uh, That's what it elicits. That's what it inspires. He says he's vengeance. That's what it inspires. We don't really need to do three whole movies about how he's a symbol instead of a man. Instead, what we're going to do now is take that symbol and go, what does that mean? And who is he inspiring? Because he thinks he's inspiring the city of Gotham. And as the movie goes on, it feels more and more like maybe he's inspiring the wrong people in the wrong way. And as a result, similar to Spider-Man No Way Home thematically, we get a big arc about what it really means to be the hero instead of what it means to be the person. And Batman sort of at the end of this one goes, I've been fighting for vengeance and fear and terror, and that's how I'm going to do it. And it, I maybe I should instead be doing like empathy and uh, understanding and figuring it out. But we are now jumping very high ahead of this movie because there's so much to talk about. <laughs> and before we get into themes and spoilers, although we're going to start getting into spoilers, Let's talk about these characters as we open with the Riddler. And I think it's worth just being like, guys, the Riddler. Paul Dano, you <gasps> son of a bitch. <laughs> when he Oof. starts doing that song, I was terrified. 100%. He was, this is the first time that I think we've seen a villain in a movie that's scarier in the cell. 
because we've done, you know, talk about tropes we've done before. We talked to Joker in the cell. We've talked to Loki in the cell. We've talked to Anthony Hopkins in the cell. We're always talking to women in the cell. And then they don't want to be in the cell and they get out and we're like, oh my God, they were someone from Matthias and they stood there with their hands behind their backs and we're like, you think you have the upper hand? Oh, and, yeah. this, and usually you're just like, all right, they're smart and it's part of the plan. This time I was like, that is a man who is very scary, and he is behind the, the. He needs a lot of things. He needs. He needs so much help, and yeah. I'm so very scared. <laughs> and oh my goodness, he doesn't even want to get out. He doesn't yeah. care. He no, doesn't, no, 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 no. He, no, he doesn't care. And like, he's one of the few villains that, when he goes into the prison cell, he stays there, and he's just like, you know what? This is my sanctuary. While the entire, I mean, if we don't want to go into spoilers, while whatever happens to Gotham happens to Gotham. I'm going to be safe up there in literally my tower and we can watch whatever's about to transpire together. It's, it's a really good perversion of Wayne Manor. That's mm -hmm. almost what they did. They spent a lot of time, you know, we'll talk about Catwoman more because she's actually, I think my favorite part of the movie, but she talks so much about like white privilege and the rich affecting the city and the corruption and it's so interesting to sort of position them in this, like they sit in their ivory towers and they mm -hmm. watch and they're safe. And Bruce Wayne is safe in his tower. He's safe. And at the end of this movie, the Riddler's in prison and he, all he says to Batman is, we're safe here. We're going to watch from here and be safe. And it's such a, like, we've never really done this before where we take a story about classism or privilege or, 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 um, money and its influence and then been like we're gonna take you to the lowest place and it's going to become that same safety spot that the manor is it's such a wild thing to see and when you really are like oh he thinks him and batman are the same mm -hmm. they're buddies they're friends we've never done this before we've done like joker and batman are like oh an unstoppable object and an immovable force yeah, yeah, and we're gonna right. do this forever mm -hmm. and without me you don't exist and without you i don't exist and this was really the riddler being like i thought we were on the same team you and i do the same thing yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah in fact you inspired me like you inspired me that you know what all you showed me was all you need is a mask and fear and a little bit of violence. And that's all you need. And, and that that's such an interesting sort of flip around for how, for how Batman is inspired, because normally there's the theme of the escalation, the theme of, Oh, once we start carrying automatics, they start carrying they uh, bullet piercing yeah. rounds and all this other stuff. But we've never actually seen that emotion in the plot. We've always had to take it at face value. And this is the first film where you actually look at it and you go, oh, that's right. I mean, the existence of Batman itself, I mean, like Vision says, our mere existence um, brings forth challenge. But in this, it, it sort of felt like Batman's mere existence showed the criminals what they have to do in order to get things done. And I thought that was, and, and here's the thing too, is that watching it a second time, knowing exactly where all the pieces are flowing, it really there, there doesn't seem like to me there doesn't seem like a moment where it's like oh that's a little far-fetched or oh that doesn't match up with this but like once we start getting into more spoilers everything that the riddler says is very consistent all the way through and it makes the second viewing of watching the batman so much more richer in fact i had more fun watching it with uh blake and zane in my second time because i sort of saw all the pieces how they came together so 
unbelievably well. And a credit to that has to go to Matt Reeves and his co-writer on the film, because you can only write a good detective story as good as the screenwriter is smart. And Matt Reeves is an incredibly smart and empathetic human being judging from this film all throughout, because I don't think we've gotten such a complex of a Batman story as we have with this film in particular, even though it's not the best, it is, you can feel the working pieces. You can feel that he had a theme or he had something to say going into this version. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like like we were talking about the Riddler and how he feels that he's a one to one. I love it because it's like I, I can't do the physical things that you can do, but I can mentally outsmart the hell out of everybody here. And I was like, oh, that is a cool thing to sort of play with. I I love that Matt Reeves is sort of built this out as a world because Blake sort of talked about how like he just runs with the punches. Like you know what you're getting into. Like we're gonna have the light going. You know who this is. But this already feels like a Gotham that sort of has been through hell already. Like the, the muscle. Oh yeah. Maroney like exists. Falcone is already on the board. You have Oswald and we know where he's, we know what's happening. So this feels like a very lived in Gotham for the first time, I think in a very long time. A lot of the times when we get into these, these Batman movies, these characters are just putting, being put into place for the very first time. Whereas this feels like, oh, we've been in this for a minute. The, the muck has already sort of started. And I love that part of us kind of getting into this so as this goes along this still feels like a lived-in world because even we'll get into spoilers but even with what we get at the but the end that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where we're going in in the immediate future there's mm-hmm. so many other things that could be happening that could be going on in the background and building up while batman is handling something else so i just love that there's just so many balls being thrown in the air that gotham feels like it's not just batman and, and riddler it's batman and all of this other stuff, all these other crime that is happening in Gotham too. And I, I that just got me going. Yeah, yeah and, and, and it feels very and, Tom King in that way. Mm-hmm. Like we're just had dropped in media res and everyone's established and we're running and we're going. Go mm-hmm. on, Andres. Oh yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you as well. Um, you know, to piggyback off of what both of you are saying, like, especially with Gotham, Gotham feels like an actual character in the film. It, in the same way that LA felt like a character in Chinatown, which Matt Reeves has said Chinatown was an inspiration for him as well. But like even stuff like, uh, like, like I hate the fact that, that um, Todd Phillips has gone on saying, Oh, taxi driver was a major influence on me. It's like, yeah, aesthetically, kind of aesthetically (laughs) kind of is. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much the the king of comedy. You just made that ending again. I mean, but, but it, but it's, but, in terms of in terms of the um the observer that's looking at the filth of the city and stuff like that i think the batman captured that feeling far more than joker did in terms of a spiritual successor in that way and not necessarily a copy sort of like melding what makes a good batman story from the comics and making what makes a good um what makes a good sort of character piece in film noir and melding the two together and this really does present a Gotham that is, I mean, excuse my language, it's a shithole. It looks like an ungodly shithole. Like, in every other iteration of Gotham City, like, even as a kid, I went, you know what? That's a place I would maybe like to visit at some point. Well, you yes, know what? You lived in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We lived in Chicago. Oh, well, worked on Batman, worked on Batman, yeah, too. It so was we right down the street there. from our college. It's here. <laughs> I would live in this Gotham City. Is that my Chase Bank? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but the thing is with this film in particular, like 
it feels like a place that's locked in time. Like even when you look at sort of what, um, what the, um, like the only things that really don't fit aesthetically are sort of what the criminal aspects are, where it's the nightclub, where it looks very modern in this place that is sort of falling apart and decaying. And even all the new tech, all the screens in the middle of downtown, it feels very, very off-putting, but it feels like a city that's trying so hard to rebuild itself. That's just putting tech on top of old stuff. And we've never gotten a Gotham like that previously. And also going to one of my favorite set, I mean, one of my favorite set pieces as well too is the diner sequence. Like even that looks like a place that that existed back in the 70s and never upgraded. Yeah, and, it's very, it, it yeah. feels like a it, like the movie almost feels like it takes place in the 90s. If it wasn't for Batman's tech, like the contact lenses and all these kind of other yeah. small pieces, it would almost play as a period piece. Yeah. Well, well, that was the rumor is that Matt Reeves pitched this as a 90s film. Uh, that was before he basically said, don't want this to interconnect with the DCU at all let me do whatever I want to do. And you know what? Kudos to Warner Brothers for letting him do whatever he wanted to do with this because just on top of all the stuff we talked about on paper, that is a huge risk to a studio. A three-hour film, a three-hour crime drama that is going to ask the audience to basically follow along with everything Batman is following along there, with. It's, it's a huge risk on paper. There isn't a world where Warner Brothers comes to the table and says, who, I'm going to make a Batman film and it's not going to be four quadrant. Like they're like, we're going to get, try to get all families in this. Like we want everybody. They're like, nope. Mary was like, I don't care about families. I don't care about, I'm telling my story. Whoever comes along with it, comes along with it. And like, and that's sort of the best way. I, I actually think all films should approach that manner. I just know that that can't be the way because the dollar, but- well, We got to sell some like, Cadillacs. Yeah, but I feel like that is the best way to sort of do things. I mean, like if we sell a toy after the fact, cool, we got a toy after the fact, but the, the film comes first. And I think that's what Matt shot for. And I think that's what he nailed. The aesthetic in this is, is stunning. I, I don't mind the club so much because it's inside of an inside, like it's the, the third nope. level in. But yeah, I but, get what you're saying, like, but it is very much a world that is building tech on top of trying to, you know, like we're going to clean up the city by just throwing- screens and throwing some some money and technology at it and like what we're not actually getting under and cleaning up and that's sort of what that's actually the purpose of batman as a whole is like i'm here to sort of clean up this which is why i love selena's line of being like this city is a shit you're never going to fix this (laughs) maybe yeah and 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 also he has the realization where he's like maybe i'm not making a difference out there but i still gotta try try. yeah yeah and that's 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 the hero lot (laughs) exactly exactly and and just also even going on that as well too the look of Wayne Tower in this film, it's like, it, it that that was sort of like the touch that sort of felt like, oh, okay, uh, you know, maybe after 30 years, you might've upgraded certain things, but that just goes to the whole aesthetic of the movie. And that just goes to how uncaring Bruce Wayne is of his environment around him. The only thing he cares well, it, about is just also, re- resuscitating Gotham. It's also very much like he wouldn't change that. That could almost be his like trauma response is to not change what's left of that and why when he learns so many things about the Waynes and about the past and about it, it cripples his world. It isn't just new information that makes it harder. It is his, everything crashes down. And when you sort of re-examine how he's kept everything intact from like that one night, 
it is very like, oh yeah, they this is this is show don't tell at its best. Mm-hmm. We're gonna show you how traumatized he is, not just by him like going through and doing all these things. He hasn't changed anything. The mansion looks dusty. Like there's there's it feels like again, it's a very noir trope of like, and you know, my partner died and I haven't touched her desk. Everything's exactly how it was. Everything's remained the way it's, that it was before this happened. It's fascinating because it is very much a, a show, don't tell. But like you think about it, like he, this happened to him as a kid, and that's why he keeps staring at that child. But there have to be, if he's only been doing Batman oh. for Batman for two years, that means there's a whole great deal of time where this guy has just been going through pure hell. Like nothing has changed in that mansion. He's just been in it. And it's not until these two years where he starts to get some sort of outlet that. His Bruce Wayne, like people have been complaining about the Bruce Wayne in this, and I and I kind of understand it, but there's a purpose to it because he's not Bruce. Like that is, but this is a movie is. called is the Batman. Batman, right? Like We're this not is about doing a Bruce Wayne movie. Um, I do think the moment that he sort of has with Alfred towards the back end of this sort oh. of gives you hope and it points that like okay especially what he does once he becomes against the hero mode we can see that in the future he may start realizing that he needs to use that bruce persona to kind of get other things going but for this film that's why that bruce is just not there because he is just dead he is that character it's is broke yeah you know it's so right. funny because we talked about like how well this works as a solo movie and not being connected to a bigger universe about not saying that's what we should do or need to do or will do but I think this is the best Batman to do it because one thing that I think I like so much about the Superman and Batman dynamic, the Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Nightwing, whoever it is, are always sort of trying to like pull him into these like empathetic moments. You have a lot of scenes in the comics with him and Superman and Superman being like, you gotta learn how to be Bruce Wayne, man. You gotta come like, just have some fun. Like there's this scene in the old cartoon where he's like dating amongst the team is always a bad idea. At least, and it's like, they're always sort of trying to like get him out of it. And this is a Batman so much more far gone. Like when you look at the uh, 89 movies, he's actively pursuing love interests. He's pursuing right. Selena Kyle. He's pursuing Vicki Vale. Him and Alfred have a rapport. When you look at the, Batman Begins movies, him and Alfred are like doing jokes with each other. Mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. whole like agency in that movie is the love interest. He has relationships with Harvey Dent. He puts on the mask of Bruce Wayne very well. You can make the argument that he is just masking, but he's not doing right. that in this movie. It takes so much in that scene with Alfred just for him to like touch Alfred's hand. Every yeah. scene with him and Selena in this, she instigates every point of physical contact. Every scene with him and Gordon, Gordon's making the jokes, Gordon's having the Mm -hmm. conversations. There's almost never a time where he initiates any sort of relationship, platonic friendship or otherwise. He's always sort of on the receiving end. And whenever it's his turn to do it, he always is very tepid. It's, yeah. yeah, it's very he, standoffish and cold. A lot of it's because he just doesn't, he, one, he doesn't know how to have that interaction because he stunted as a kid. But two, the last time he had that interaction, they died. They died. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. And that also goes into the whole arc of, I mean, I disagree with people where, where they basically say that there's no arc for Bruce Wayne in this. Personally, I feel that Bruce Wayne's arc in this film is actually stronger than any of the other previous films. I can't tell you what the arc was for Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins other than he has to adopt the Batman persona and that's about it. 
but you don't feel you sort of feel that the Bruce Wayne in the beginning of Batman Begins is the same guy that is at the end of Batman Begins. Whereas this film, there's a drastic difference between the Bruce Wayne in the beginning of the film, who is just very closed off to humanity and who also just has been dealing with the worst of the worst for it's two years. off to Alfred. Hell, he treats yeah. Alfred like hell. Yeah, he's oh, not. Oh my God. Yeah, like, like no I mean, fun. Yeah, which is funny because no fun... the movie is actually littered with great. There are some moments. great jokes in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that's the thing that works really well about the character in the Batman comics as well is that all the moments of levity are not necessarily jokes that are sort of like sort of like played like oh hey this is done as a joke like it almost feels like the joke sort of comes in from the fact that Bruce Wayne is oblivious to the joke like he like he literally just goes like again I know we're about to mention it. It's very much a Batman animated series thing. Like the Batman animated series, Batman always used to be very straight laced and kind of would say things matter of factly. But if you took them and you're hearing them as the, you're like, that was hilarious. But you're just saying that because you're like, I'm about business. We're doing this and this, this and this and this. And that's sort of what happens <laughs> in this film. Like the entire thumb drive sequence is freaking <laughs> hysterical. But only to Commissioner Gore, I mean, to, to James. Batman is just saying like, no, that's a, it's a thumb. He's being very matter of fact about it. <laughs> Yeah, he's like he's like. Well, the thumb is right here. Uh, what what? How am I supposed to open this? Yeah, oh, for this him, guy's he's hilarious. About the business. <laughs> it, and that's and that's sort of what makes that that work. I I, I dig that because you don't want to make. I, I always, I love some of those those Schumacher Schumacher. I love parts of them, but like you get to the point where you make Batman the comedian, and it just that doesn't that doesn't work for me. Oh yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, we've briefly touched on this as well. We have to give credence to to Jeffrey Wright in this as Gordon. He's probably oh, my favorite interpretation of Gordon to this day. Yeah, like, that, I mean, it's so it's so I'm so connected to Batman Begins, and it's so hard for me not to be like, but I this really Gordon, love Gary like I love Gary, Gary Oldman, Oldman is great. Putting the this jacket on, Bruce, so this was so good. Yeah, this was really good. This he's got <laughs> such a good rapport. He's also doing police work. They're buddies. It doesn't like there's no real leverage in it. He's like trying to be a good cop and do everything by the books and just keeps finding the the brevity in these moments and the <laughs> like, I've got to keep the peace. And yeah. he's like doing the odds. Oh, he's so good. He really oh, yeah, no, I'm it's, so especially... excited for the show now. I'm so in. Because you know, we <laughs> oh, sit God. here being like, we're not doing any spin-offs or setting anything up. There are two shows coming off of this movie. So let's not sit <laughs> yeah. around like there's not more. <laughs> Yeah. It's like we did with Dude where they were like, oh, it's really nice and they're not setting up. There is a second movie and a TV show. <laughs> they're stacking on, stacking on, stacking. Yeah. Oh, man. It's it's going to be so great. And just the idea that we, with the TV show, with the Gotham PD, is that we're still going to be following Gordon and Batman is still going to be a presence. It is year one, but from the perspective of the police mm -hmm. and just seeing exactly how that relationship could develop with Gordon behind closed doors that would be so interesting to see. I, I think it's twofold. It's, it's it's not really said, but I love that he's the only good cop in all of this, and no one. There are people who are like I don't trust him. I don't trust him. But it also is cool that he's the only good cop, and he's black. And yeah. Well, 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 well. That's 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 a very interesting thing as well too. And the thing is that 
you know, I, I really love the fact that, you know, if we're going to get into a little bit of spoilers with this, I love oh, I the fact we that- we can just go in now. All right. You're spo- spoil them away. We're almost all right, let's do it. already, which doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound right. So we no. might as well do it. We have to do the spoilers and we have to do the thesis of the show. So we got, we got to- <laughs> All right, so let's do you've it. You've been right. warned. Consider it warned. It's made 120 million already. So you've seen it. You're fine. Go see it. Warned. It's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, but even going on with Gordon sort of being the quote unquote only good cop, that sort of feels like, I mean, no, no matter what you do with a cop story, it's it's almost impossible to do something if you're alone. And I just love that it all comes around to that very end moment where they're arresting Falcone and they go out into the middle of the street. It's like, who, who, who's going to arrest me? There's not going to be a, co- a single cop you that's on my payroll. You all work for me. Yeah. And then he goes out and there are literally all those cops pointing a weapon straight at him. And, and they're all just, just waiting for that moment. And you sort of feel that, 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 Gor- that not Batman has had a positive influence, but Gordon in terms of just the fact that he's not willing to there's been a beacon of one person that is sowing goodness in the police department. And like there are a, not is, many, but there are a few mm-hmm. that are willing to follow behind him. Which, 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 sure which, which would lead. We are talking about Gordon's yeah. been doing this through empathy and kindness and real work and community work. And Batman's mm-hmm. out there like beating people up. <laughs> and it's yeah. interesting that then like the beacon of hope in our, one of our big climactic scenes is not really Batman's victory. It is Gordon's victory. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, and, and even going along with that, I mean, like this is a Gordon, as much as I love Gary Oldman, there sort of felt like a moment that once he became commissioner Gordon, there was no way anybody would allow Gordon to have sort of Batman be in his back pocket, if that makes any sense. Whereas with this one, it sort of feels like that moment to the probability of Gordon becoming commissioner and him being able to work with the Batman and the police department being on board with that. And if he is on the payroll, very... how much has he taken in? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. We got to bring oh. him back from 89. <laughs> oh man. They say he drinks blood. <laughs> <laughs> although, although I will say one thing, if we want to go down, if we want to go down this rabbit hole and see who we want, who we want to appear in the next one, I'm saying it first right here. I want Lakeith Stanfield as Lucius Fox. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, everything else in the movie, you know, the only thing we haven't really gotten into is that big third act. And I think the best part of the movie, you know, we talk about Gordon's victory. Batman sort of loses. Gotham is flooded. The Riddler yeah. blows up, which also, and Andres, you know the comics better than I do. Help me out. Because geographically, this city in the movies has stopped making sense. Because for a minute, you know, in Batman Begins, we were like, it's Chicago. However, there's also an island. And then in The yeah. Dark Knight, they were like, don't worry about it. And then in Dark Knight Rises, they were like, it's a coastal city. And I'm pretty sure Tim Burdens is also like, don't worry about it. Yeah. And I, like, yeah. I know this is very much zero year, which I love. Has, has Gotham always been coastal? Gotham has has been coastal to a certain extent because there, there's always been just the just the thing of like the the crooks bringing in all the drugs and all the stuff through barges through the barges and the Bowery and stuff like that, which right. is a big part of the continuity. But I I wouldn't necessarily say that it's it's until Zach until Scott Snyder's zero year that they never made it coastal essentially, or that 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 they never made it that 
that it was it was basically basically as as fault to a um to a seawall as they made it in this film and in Scott Snyder's run. Like even when you look at um No Man's Land, what they basically did was they basically blew up all the bridges and declared martial law that every single villain was out in force all at once. And that sort of turned it into a battleground essentially, which basically the United States was like, we'll, we'll come back to you when you solve your issues on your own. Yeah. Guys. So like to a smaller scale, what happened in Batman begins like that, that. Yeah. Yes. We took the third act of Batman begins and we're like, but what if you lost? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what if but, it but also here's... wasn't a science device that did it? It was like, you know, grassroots terrorism. Yeah, um, which is much scarier than a sci-fi <laughs> mechanic. Yeah, but the thing is that Riddler's plan, although it, it still goes ahead, the thing was he had meant to sort of break apart Gotham in that set in that one moment where he floods the entire city and stuff like that. But ultimately, his plan still went through. But the problem is that instead of dividing the city and causing utter chaos it brought the city together because what ended up happening was the big thing that was scaring them all the way through was the thing that was saving them and it brought the hope and also with the fact that the mayor won the election as well too and that there is this bat creature that's sort of been rumored to be sort of just unbiasedly just beating the crap out of everybody you know i mean there's that moment in the very beginning of the film where you know, clearly got clearly Batman saves the Gothamite from the Jokers all like beating him up and stuff like that. And then when he when when he's starting to walk over he's to him scared. to help him up, he's scared. He's like, please don't hurt me. And it's like, ah, uh, I just saved you. Yeah. Yeah. But also at the yeah. same time, also at the same time, I don't think he went out of his way to sort of empathize with him or be like, you know, you're safe, you're okay, because of the fact that he he at that point knew that. If you built the fear up, even amongst the regular people, that will never that will never encourage you. Will you will never turn. I don't know that you won't become a criminal. Right. So I want everybody. Exactly. To, I want everybody to be afraid, as opposed to having the people that should not be in fear to have, see him as a beacon. Which of hope. I, you know, is what makes that whole third act down there so powerful. When he saves everybody and he turns on the flare and he's he's almost just like a regular. This is some dumb because yes, that's what he is. He's just like a guy in a bat suit at that point. <laughs> Like right. saving yeah. people and helping them, and you know that's paralleled so well with the Riddler's whole plan of uh, this terrifying, but also like kind of funny social media video. It's like, oh hey everyone, oh, thank you've all been so great. And it's <laughs> thank like, you for the advice on the detonators, by the way. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. you. <laughs> like, uh, like I, I love, I love the the comments that all pop up. Please subscribe. Like, oh, yeah, please subscribe and please uh please subscribe to my patreon i will provide i will be providing various different things we could do all across town so there we go guys yeah that but, was uh that was great another good way of like it feels very 90s but here's some very real technology and being used in a very scary real way and really showing like a, a terrifying person can make we can they can rally this they can do all these things and organize this and you get that one unmasked and he says, I am vengeance and the whole movie clicks and you are just, I don't know about everybody else in my theater, but I was just like, oh my God, they just shot Batman. Like this is, this is whole, they just, they shot him right in the soul. Yeah. And it just yep. breaks him. It, yeah. It's like, he has shown so little expression and he just like stares at that guy longer than he stared at anyone else. And you're like, oh man. 
he just broke that guy's worldview. Mm-hmm. This is like this. This is this is a much better like breaking the bat than we've done before. We reveal that the Waynes were sort of part of the corruption. Nobody was perfect. Everybody had these skeletons. Then we show like, hey, the the symbol you've built has now created your downfall, and now mm-hmm. you need to become a better Batman. Uh, this is all done very well then with Catwoman, who's like, we could just leave. We, we can't just peace be, out. We could mm-hmm. both go be really attractive together. <laughs> oh, oh we, we, we have to talk about Zoe Kravitz in this. Because... I know. I've been trying to get to her and the Penguin, but there's just so much Riddler to talk oh. about. But yeah, let's get into Zoe Kravitz and let's get into the Colin Farrell Penguin. Jeez. Let's start with Zoe because she steals the movie and I want to spin off and I want to show in a movie and I want to... Of just her. Like wherever I she's going... Her. Wherever she's driving off to, I want to find. I want to. I want to yep. spend time there. I would have gone. Bloodhaven. She would. She would have been like, "Hey, Bruce Wayne, do you want to come with me?" And like, if it was me, I would have been like, "Of course, you? obviously, yes." yes. I'm taking have this you seen our jawlines? We'll be unstoppable. <laughs> so our dumb. Kids will be glorious. Let's it's go. It's so now. dumb how good looking <sighs> both Robert Pattinson and her are in this movie. Every scene they were in, I was like, "Oh, I need like a fan." It's, <laughs> like, it's so. <laughs> amazing they have a lot of chemistry together which is really good but what's crazy is like she you feel the essence even though we don't really refer to her as Catwoman. it's always selena and she has the cats around but you just feel that essence of like the cat the, the way she moves the, the way she even talks sometimes her mannerisms it just feels everything feels like it's been earned i was like oh i love this the cat burglar even though we get a brief moment of it we don't really get too much you get to say oh she's actually she's about this life she's been burglarizing for a while yeah. now she's she is her. a burglar <laughs> she, she, she is good yeah. at this <laughs> and, and 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 also even the sort of lincoln how how certain elements of the catwoman character are sort of um, birthed, if you if you will, in the sort of nightclub sequences where she has long fingernails, and it's like a cat burger wouldn't have that, but someone who's working those nightclubs definitely would. And it just it just felt like it was like a a, gr- a great way of tying both her private life and her open life as well too. So that was I, 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 I honestly and, you know yeah. She she does very much, you know, it's a scene I love in Batman Begins where he's like, he's on his done, he's bought the gun and she has to drive him down and go, this is really Gotham, you like rich asshole. Uh, we then kind of do that with Falcone. I, I, this is power you can't buy. People like you sit, you're the Prince of Gotham. Yeah. Like we do, a, we do a lot in Batman Begins to be like, you are Bruce Wayne. You do not know what everyone's going through. And I think it's a lot stronger in this one when she's just like, there's a lot of white privilege. A lot of you motherfuckers are up there. All of you are the same. The Waynes, the Falcones, all of you. You're all sitting here. You have no idea what it's like to be me, to be in this world. Even when he has that line where he's like, she was doing stuff she shouldn't have been doing. And Catwoman is just like, uh, what did you just say? <laughs> right. Yeah. What did and, you and, just, and you're like, oh man, this is some powerful stuff up here. Oh yeah, and and just by that one line, she just goes, "Oh, you grew up rich because in order to live in Gotham, you have to do terrible things in order to freaking survive in that town, yeah, even if you're a- good." Like, like what I love about this film is that Gotham also, everybody that's in the town is not necessarily not necessarily innocent in their own way. There, I mean, even Gordon, when you're looking at it, he's a cop, but he's working with a vigilante. He's working with somebody that's not working within the system. Everybody who's been in Gotham has in some way, shape or form 
has had to have made a deal with the devil in order to survive in that town. And the only one person that, that feels like has never done that is Bruce Wayne. And, or even to a certain extent, the kid in the very beginning of the film, the mayor's office. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, which again, if we were going to talk about that, that has mayor's office scene. Yet. Yeah. The mayor's oh, office that scene is, is amazing. That's a that's great opening. Favorite. Yeah. It's yeah. a great well, my favorite is the car uh, going through at the funeral and the kid and the bomb. That's my favorite. Like, oh my god, we got to answer these riddles. That's that, there's so many. That's a great scene. Oh. I know, like the second that Batmobile flares up for the first time, I got actually oh. <laughs> like it was. I was like, oh, here we go. This is insane. I've oh, all right. One thing I've never seen on Twitter, like all over Twitter, every like it, it feels like everybody unanimously saying. That car sequence when it freaking flares up and he gives the one like pump up the gas, like, like, just like, go, go, give me a reason to chase you right now. Right. He's it is like, symphonic. Yeah. It is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, so it's just that just goes on to tell you that Penguin, everything that Oswald, uh, again, I'm glad that he's getting a show because oh. Colin Farrell is a scene stealer in this damn movie <laughs> and he, he really serves well kind of a, a a good antithesis to what selena is saying she's up there doing this like everyone has privilege everybody needs to admit it because it is what is destroying our city which is incredible and then you get falcone who or falcone who the whole movie is like everyone's got dirty stuff even to survive here i have to do what selena is talking about and Penguin is the one then who sort of points out like, hey, you might be in our like terrible world, but you broke our rules too. And it's such an interesting moment when you parallel it to what Selena's going through of her being frustrated by these people. You then have like the Penguin <laughs> frustrated by like the criminal empire. You still have a set and of it's rules like, here and yeah, you've broken them. <laughs> yeah it's so wild to have these scenes where it's like no honor among thieves and it's like everyone's mad that every single system is bad every system that it is one of the most relevant things that i think is in this movie where you look at today where we look at every system we have the politicians police education and we just go that one's bad that one's bad that one's bad capitalism's bad it's all bad and we need to look at all of it and every single piece of it there's internalized stuff everywhere and this movie does that where we're like half the cops are bad half of the millionaires are bad all the politicians are bad even the waynes are pretty bad batman's doing stuff he probably shouldn't really be doing he's a vigilante and then even penguin the villain is like hey the other villain is is also he's bad a part of there's systematic problems in in crime this used to be organized we used to have a sex skill level and a set game plan you fucked up the game sir (laughs) (laughs) which i love that moment where where they're asking who's la rada el rada am i the only one that knows spanish here it's la rada it's kind of la rada flying rat kind of sounds like a bat to me without detectiving the cop in the world's greatest the world's greatest just like guys it's la rada even I for a minute was like, okay, I took like two high school Spanish classes, and I'm not saying I'm smarter than the screenwriters, but I'm pretty sure it's not El Rana. And then the big one's yeah. like, it's La Rana. And I was like, you guys, <laughs> I Batman. 
<laughs> but I, I love the fact that in the score, oh my God, we haven't even talked about the score. It's, it's, Michael it's, Giacchino's- It's still in my head. Oh. Batman's theme so, I hear consistently right now. Oh my God. Like ever since Danny Elfman, we've not had such a- defining theme for the Batman. I mean, like you could say that, that Hans Zimmer kind of came close, but you don't, but you don't. don't (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. But but you can't boil it down to like three notes. And when you hear it done, 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 you're like, it's Batman. You know, what's crazy. It's almost very, the shining. It's very, very the shining. And it works because you get these moments where Matt Reeves is filming just Batman's boots walking in, and it that is like, oh, this is this is. T- I'm I would be terrified. I would run. I don't know what you criminals mm-hmm. are doing. Why are you still there? That's what that in- intensifies, and it works so well on screen. Like as like, oh, this is this is this is it. Uh, mm-hmm. I listen to that theme probably every morning now. Oh, that's a very so weird good. way to start your morning. I got to get into it, man. Solving your wordle <laughs> like you're the Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> listen, 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 listen. I'm I'm right there. <laughs> I am right there with Terrence. I am right there with Terrence, right? (laughs) I'm right there with Terrence because every morning I play uh, riddles, riddles everywhere from the score while I'm working on on my stuff in my morning routine at work. And it's just, I don't know why, but that sequence when when he's like putting together all the clues and spray painting everything on the floor, such a like a really poignant and like such a really like undersold um, moment in the score that it sort of feels like the, Oh, the, the the pieces are coming together. All right, we gotta we gotta stop using the strength. We gotta start using the brain more. Mm-hmm. But just Michael G. Kino, oh my God, if he's not in contention for at least best score by this time next year, I mean, it's this a really, is a very unique score. This really upsets me because I think I know we don't normally get superhero films into the Academy Awards type type stuff. I think this is a film sort of like Logan oh, was that should it's be. It's going to be all over it. Are you kidding me? They so might have to read this, like, but it's so early in the year. You know how these films, yeah. like, once the summer hits, they kind of forget everything that happened before it. Like this somehow needs to get repositioned back out there again. Because it definitely, there's a the score in cinematography alone need to be nominated in some capacity for that. Oh yeah, Greg Frazier. I mean, again, he just got nominated for Dune. I think he's going to get nominated next year for the Batman. There, there's no question. Yeah, like like that that dude that dude plays with lighting and he plays with production design, just just so so beautifully every time. There's some texture shots in here that just look it's just stupid to watch. They're like, it's, oh, this yeah. is nuts. The use of just color, the red, like, the there's lights, so yeah. much in this that we haven't seen. It's a, it's very interesting that I'm like, this is a very original Batman movie. It's not an original movie right? because it's a Batman movie, <laughs> but it's a very, it's a good take. It's very not superhero-y the same way Logan is, even Joker. And we've talked about that, but like all these tropes that are in those, that genres we've sort of broken out. Uh, and I think, you know, that's almost what makes it more relevant because once you kind of break out of those tropes, you get to have these conversations about class, about privilege, about inspiration and these darker internalized messages and sort of, you know, what are you putting out in the world, right? In such a weird way, that's what this is. And I think that that's something a lot of people have started looking at internally about themselves in the last few years of like, well, what am I really doing, doing yeah. especially people who have a platform you look at like you know 
podcasters and writers and filmmakers and everybody were constantly sort of making jokes of like, well, what did, how did a lot of people internalize South Park or Rick and Morty or Batman or Star Wars? And did they take the right lessons and themes? And what, how, how did you interpret that through your own trauma? Because the mm. only reason the Riddler takes what Batman is doing the way Batman's doing it is because he was an orphan who nobody wanted and it all burned down and then nobody saw him. And there was, it's like, when you look at it through that lens, he's going to radicalize in a way that's violently dangerous. They do everything Joker wanted to do way better in this movie. We do the like the yeah. inspiration, mm -hmm. the mob inspiration way better. We do the like person pushed by society way better. Even maybe not the mental health stuff as much because I think both of them aren't really dealing with it in a great way. Right. Uh, but I was more scared of the Riddler. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. But yeah. it's, it's interesting. And I guess the last thing we'll get into, because there's not much, it's Saturday today of recording. So the box office isn't done, but it's at 120 million. Obviously people still want Batman. There's not a lot to analyze there. Uh, do you guys want to talk about the Joker and then get out of here? Yeah. Unless there's more that either of you have. No, no, no. No, no. I think I think we pretty much covered the bases on that. But I mean, in terms of Joker, I, I, I've seen some pushback on the fact that, oh, Joker's in this movie. He didn't need to be in this movie. But it sort of captures what the comics is. He's not an integral part of the story in any way whatsoever. You could argue that you could cut the scene and it would totally be fine. Ooh, but it's yeah. sort of... But, but it, it completes Riddler's arc to a certain extent where he's like, you know what? He's been doing this on his own. Maybe maybe it's time to hit for, for him to sort of collaborate with other, other rogues and sort of get the inspiration. Because here's the thing. Joker is the first one to give Riddler his iconic thing, riddle me, riddle this. me this. Yeah, and, and, that's, and, that, and that sort of plays off in the fact that all these rogues are all learning off of one another and they're also one-upping each other in terms of in terms of their relationship with the Batman, where they're like, oh, uh, uh, it sort of feels like sort of feels like the Rogues Gallery sort of meeting up every week, just be like, what would you do, the Batman? In a brainstorming time? session, like, let's, yeah. let's shoot All ideas right, so off each other. Face, well, like, I'm like, thinking like Second Street should be where your place is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like 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 one of my favorite episodes in the um in the animated series is Almost Got Him, Love and it. it's. And it's basically just all the villains playing a card game and yeah, just great. comparing stories of how they fucked with Batman over the past week or so. And it's one of those things where it really does get sort of like, not only is it the corruption that's going out of control, but it's also the villains, the villains just kind of one-upping themselves and then just kind of just going like, okay, well, what else can we do, guys? Do you have any ideas? <laughs> like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I first, when it first came on, I was like, oh, crap, not Joker again. It was one of those ones where I was like, I, I get it. They are one and one. They need, they're each other's gaming gang, but we don't need to have that in there. But then I thought about it for a second. And like, it really is the, the Selena line that sort of did it for me and how he responds and how she was like, this place is never going to get better. If the Joker is existing in any form or fashion, even if he's not the villain, like I said at the top of this, even if he's not the villain for the next one, if he is always there, no matter how much hope Batman has, it's good that he has it, but the audience, all of us know that dread is coming around that corner because no matter how good you make it, that guy is going to come in and F things all the way up. 
Well, and it's like Andre said, the city already feels so broken. If Joker's already in prison, it implies that year one was probably Joker, and then we put him away. So there's a history there. You can play with a lot. And I also was like, okay, we do. We, I know it's important. We do it every time. But this is where we introduce the Joker. It, like, it feels very like Dr. <laughs> yeah. Evil. Like, this is where we threat to the world leaders. Um, <laughs> Throw me a freaking bone here. I know we do it every time, Mini-Me, but it is important. And, <laughs> but I, I sort of said to Andres when we left the theater, I was like, you know, man, I was so like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But the way you get me interested in another Joker story is you give him a buddy. We yep. haven't really, the Joker's always on top when we've seen him. Jack Nicholson is on top. Mm -hmm. Even um, Jared Leto's is like this just mastermind King that nobody will mess with. Even right. when he's not in Birds of Prey, it's like, well, his era. Also, yeah, his yeah. Or Heath Ledger's or, or, on his own. Yeah, or, 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 or honestly, I could go either one of two ways. Either you make them buddies or you develop something where there's going to be a relationship in the next film where maybe maybe in between movies, they found out they don't work well with each other. And we talked about it in the theater, the war, the war of, jokes. of jokes and riddles. So or if we keep, yeah, so or if we keep like, we norm, like we know how the Joker normally is, he's, he's, he's a brainiac too. He's gonna to try to one up on the like, I'm gonna use him for what I can, and I'm gonna I'm gonna end this dude. Like that that could be well, a part. Well, he's so of manipulative but, right, right away. If yeah. you look at them stealing your special day, and it's like mm -hmm. he comes to him as a friend. It's like he he gives him everything the Riddler's been saying he doesn't have. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he he becomes what he wanted Batman to be. It's it's very twisted. I though a part of me is like we should totally do War of Jokes and Riddles because it's incredible. But what if we also just like saved this for movie three that's and we maybe threw another villain or two into arkham I, and we uh, then had all of them or i i would love to see like because of this world the world is and it's so gang like as far as my, uh my boss is related let's give ventriloquist and and, and some of those folks those folks that are little that have not been seen in this world before that fit in what he's doing here because this is a weird thing while it does feel realistic it still could play with some of that fantasy stuff like it doesn't feel like it's that far well andres tweet or andres terrence uh tweedledee and tweedledum might have been in this movie yeah we talked about could have been those but, twins could yeah okay okay uh, all right i've got it i've got exactly what this trilogy should be all right next film we don't even follow riddler and joker we just established that they're in arkham we yeah. follow a completely different set of villains and you find out throughout the course of the second film that Batman has been locking up all these villains in Arkham. And then what you do is by movie three, you make it an adaptation of Arkham Asylum. And who's the one that's bringing all these villains together? Hugo Strange. Come on. Yeah. That would be great. Oh, Hugo would it be writes nice itself right there. Dude. To put in here. That's new. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. We, we've never seen Hugo Strange as a supervillain in any of the... I mean, we saw him in Gotham, but I don't even count that really. Yeah, like, you know no, what I mean? Like, we haven't seen you. a good Hugo Strange. Yeah, no, that would that would work. And I, and obviously, I feel like Court of Owls definitely leads in like the way that they're doing things. That fits I feel like Court of Owls would make a really logical, good place to do a second movie while in it's, Arkham something else is going on. Right. Mm -hmm. That yeah. seems to me like the best way to kind of do it. And what's really good is they have the cheat code because they're like, look. 
we can build up Cobblepot on our show. We don't have to have a film do that. So when we come back, we can have wherever Penguin is at. So we can do that off screen, which is, I was like, oh, that's a dope sort of cheat code to have with this. Uh, it's smart. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I'm very excited now. I really kind of went in being like, all right, then we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to see was, a lot was... of the stuff I've always seen. And I walked up being like, I haven't seen any of this. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. Cause like, it was like you and me, we were having dinner right before we went to go see Uncharted. It was just like, uh we'll, we'll see we'll see how it turns out and then it's like they have to introduce the joker at the end of this one who knows and then you cut and then we all come out we're like yep give us more this is amazing <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you know it's good i like it when franchises that i sometimes get worried about surprise me and i love batman and i love the movies so much i'm surrounded by my dc mcfarlane robin and batgirl and nightwing and I mean, look, this is it now, right? Like we were just saying like a few months ago, like Spider-Man fans are eating. We're getting all this stuff, but like, here we come. The Batman, Flash with 89, Batgirl. Like we're, I don't want to say we're in a renaissance because we've been getting these we've movies since 1989. <laughs> well, I think yeah. I think what's cool and like, well, we always sort of, like MCU sort of knows what they're doing and their brand is all connected. What I love that DCEU has been doing lately is letting directors do their thing. James Gunn got to do whatever the hell he wanted to do with Peacemaker. Uh, Matt Reeves didn't do whatever the hell he did, wanted to do with the Batman. I feel like they now put themselves in a sort of situation like, here, take this property. We're not going to box you into this. We're not going to tell you what, you, do what you got to do. And we'll see what happens on the other end. That's why and I'm I mean, excited look, about it, that Batgirl. It always does like, numbers. Different. Yeah. When they, when they got the Snyder cut out, they did numbers yeah joker which i don't care for but todd phillips got to do what todd phillips wanted to do in mm -hmm. that and boy did that make money right so clearly what warner brothers in dc should be learning is like let your directors do their thing because you're you're more than likely going to work out like yeah. on some level you're always going to have people who don't like it like i don't like bvs or man of steel very much but i love wonder woman and aquaman Mm -hmm. And that's why when people are like, don't you, you want the DCEU to go away? And I'm like, no, of course not. I want Black Adam and I want it to be connected. There's just, there's just some stuff in there I don't care for. Right. But I mean, like if mm -hmm. Flashpoint is about to do some giant, awesome multiverse of madness, but for DC, and I could just be like, they're all here, all of the Batman. <laughs> yeah. It'll be wonderful. I mean, I think it's great. Uh, I'm excited to see what mm -hmm. we do next. I hope it doesn't take too long. But I also, you know, two years that seems like a perfectly fine time yeah. Um, oh yeah the, the producer has gone on and said that we won't be waiting five years for the next sequel and it, because sounds, it sounds like matt has sort of already outlined a trilogy with this so i think this is going to be a little faster than the typical whatever the timeline between the, those two apes films i feel like that's going to sort of still be in line with what this is well well, well, that was the issue when when Warner Bros. came to him with uh, with Batman was that he was in development with so many other projects and they kind of threw at him Batman and he's like, well, I haven't had time to think about it. Then also, Reeves but you don't say no to Batman. No, 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 no. Because here's the thing: is that Reeves also said, "Listen, if you guys want me to make a movie that's interconnected with your universe, I don't know if I can offer that. Here's what I can offer you right now: a standalone Batman movie." a dark and gritty version of the character not going to be four quadrant guys what do you think and i think by that point warner brothers is like everybody's quit on this movie if you okay. want to do it please do it right now we've been trying to get this it's off so the ground interesting that we say this isn't a four quadrant movie but a part of me is like yeah it is 
there's incredible women characters female lead characters there's, yeah. it, it's not so complicated that people like under 20 wouldn't understand what's going on i think the family it's just audience darker is, i think the family yeah, you're not gonna have an eight-year-old there yeah. although but i saw what? Yeah, you're probably gonna have an eight-year-old there was there, there were eight-year-olds in my in my my screening uh yeah <laughs> and i mean you know whatever <laughs> they gotta learn someday <laughs> like, you know, I, don't, I don't think it's so like overly it's, it's not and, and i think a lot of them does... and i think a lot of the mind things and horror elements that do exist will go over the head of uh that six to eight year six year old nine year old that they won't understand it until they get older and rewatch them like oh got it this was good they're just gonna see batman in a batmobile that's all they're gonna see yeah day. i was like i think it's a yeah. you know but but the, it's a movie for everyone. Bring your family to Bring Gotham. everyone. The beaches yeah. are open. <laughs> uh, What's the difference I, between Amity and Gotham City? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Amity doesn't have Batman, but they both have a shark. Book uh, <laughs> read. Uh, I think that's it. That's all I've got. I love it. I'm so happy. I want to do it again. I would, if it was on HBO Max, I'd watch it tonight. The fact that they uh, said it's 45 days out, I was like, oh, I can't wait. I can watch this whenever I want. Yeah, yeah, I will well, have well, it. Well, 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 here's the thing is that that 45 days is not necessarily locked in stone, but they did say that whenever it premieres on HBO Max, it will also go to home video as well. Great. Beautiful. I so I, 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 I want it in 4K. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous movie. Uh, go see it if you haven't but you by the math you did uh, thank you so much for listening you can of course follow the show on Hollywood ADI on Twitter and on Instagram I'm at as always Blake Terrence is at Terrence Tatum Andres is at Gajagost now is that the correct yep that's break, the correct break? pronunciation <laughs> uh, Terrence also has our YouTube channel with all the you know show by show reviews episode by episode trailer reactions and everything else we also have two other podcasts spinning off of this one you can't do that anymore about movies that you might not be able to make or that you shouldn't make or wouldn't make and marvel pair up where we pair up marvel's disney plus shows with the history of a movie genre that it's a part of andres we mentioned his podcast at the top but where can everybody find you and all of your stuff uh you can find me on film on tap um it's a podcast i do with uh my buddies tom chowbash nancy rodriguez we just go in and talk about movies for about an hour or two. Always a lot of fun. Uh, you can also find me on the High Voltage Media channel where we're going to be debuting a couple of new things as soon as I get my editing processor in. And as soon as I can get back to work, everything's going to be coming back full steam. We've got so many things in the pipeline. We have our Star Wars video in the pipeline for sure, which will probably get a debut of um, May 4th of this year. I like so that when we recorded that. that, we were like, we should release this during a Star Wars property so it's relevant, not realizing that that would happen forever in memoriam. <laughs> like, oh, we gotta do this quick. Oh, good, I know we want. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but we're also going to be debuting a new series as well too called the Masterpiece Collection where we talk about really great movies um and Still we just American keep Gangster on there so see me oh. on there yeah i'll be oh, there yeah for... that's yeah oh my goodness uh god and, and the fact that we're doing american gangster i'm so excited <laughs> uh but yeah but you can find me on there and you can also find me um in uh previous schmodown matches as well too um you can also find me on fcl whenever that appears again 
Uh, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me right now. And also you can find me here <laughs> every now and again. Great. Um, yeah, as far as our next episodes, you're mostly going to have You Can't Do That Anymore until April <laughs> when, when movies are back. Movies again. return. Until yeah. <laughs> you get Morbius. Sonic and Morbius in April, and then we're in it. Then it's May, and then we're there. Yeah. We'll see y'all next time. Later. Thank you.